Amen. And thank you, and you may be seated. The next four Wednesdays, including this one, we are on a mission, and we're talking about the mission. There is a need to reach people today, and there are people that are lost and hungry and in need of the Lord. Don't you know that the whole world needs Jesus? The answer to all the political and economic duress in the world is Jesus. The answer for every family issue and every medical issue is Jesus. In fact, there's no question in the world that you can come up with that the answer is not Jesus. He's the answer for everything. Amen. And we, we definitely need to, to call upon the Lord. I am grateful for Brent and Janine, brother and sister Brown, and they are, um, they have been commissioned and granted a position as AIM workers, missionaries to um, a place called Montenegro. And um, they've been there a couple of times already. And we're very grateful that they, they have spied out the land. And they've already made connections. And so they've been in and out of the church, mostly out preaching and, and sharing their burden with many other other congregations. In fact, I want them to go uh, as much as they can, and they they've just filled up their schedule. And the Lord has begin been good to them. Now, I want you to know, as you're starting out in the mission field, there are a couple of steps, like in a ladder, um, that that kind of helps um, define who who are keepers. And so, uh, what's happening to them is they've just been leaping. Uh, over a lot of initial things, but they've been under the direction of of their missionary leaders. So we're very, very grateful for them. And what's happening in their lives is a miracle. So we're thankful for for Brent and Janine, and of course, other people have 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 been working on AIM work. Sister Jenny Scott also in Guam for some many years now, and we've had a couple of people go. Um, but we're we're looking right now at uh, brother. Uh, Brother Sister Brown, Brent and Janine is, as, uh, is becoming missionaries to, to this country that has no church. They have no apostolic, no Pentecostal church. And in fact, it's probably more of a secular area. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly what they're going to share tonight, but, but we're excited about this. And, and so I want you to welcome them. And they're going to speak, in, uh, they're going to take turns speaking. Uh, which is which is so kind of them to to take turns. If we gave them two microphones, they would interrupt each other the whole night. So we're just going to give them one microphone, and then they can actually take turns. Let's welcome them. Would you do that right now? Thank you. Amen. God bless all of you. Um, thank you, Pastor, and the leadership team. We are very excited to be able to be a part of this tonight and a part of this initiative over the next um, month. And the topic that we're, that we're going to be talking about over the next month uh, is GO. That is the Knowledge Project, and so it is exciting. We are working into our yearly service where we do um, a big missions push, if you will. We have our main mission service coming up. Um, in uh, the first weekend in October, so we're extremely excited about that. It's always an amazing, amazing service that I know. We have some incredible guests that are powerful people coming for that, so you don't want to miss it. But we are leading up to that, and so Janine and I are super excited that they 
that the team has chosen us to speak on this topic. As you can see behind the field, we're going to talk about the field tonight. So thank you to the leadership here. We're going to go first to John verse 4. I'm sorry, chapter 4. John chapter 4. Amen. There are many parts to this topic when concerning the heart of God. And it is our heartbeat as well, being that we are, we are going on the mission field. Um, and I won't talk a lot about us tonight, but I, I will say this, that there is something about the call of God, the, heart, the heartbeat of God to every person, not just those who would leave you know, your home, your, what you're comfortable with. There is something that would, would draw us to, to go overseas or even just to your next door neighbor. There's got to be a drawing of the spirit. We've got to hear what is the heartbeat of God. And that heartbeat of God is the lost people in this world. That is what this is all about. Not this lesson. That is what the whole heartbeat of God is all about. Amen. And so we want to uh, uncover a little bit about that tonight through the scripture. So Jesus often taught us in parables. Most times, in fact, the Bible says that he taught with parables. Um, There are several reasons for this, but he would use earthly examples and objects to teach us spiritual and heavenly lessons. Amen. Some of his lessons were difficult for the carnal mind to grasp the meanings of, and often we would not, he would not explain them in depth. Perhaps he knew that uh, the understanding would come at a later time, or maybe he wanted us to discover the truths of his teachings by much prayer and searching, similar to oil and diamonds that are deep down in the earth. Those things have to be dug up. They're not just, they're not just going to come to you. You're not just going to wake up one day and walk out and find a bundle of diamonds in your backyard. That, that would be awesome. We would all love that. Um, but unfortunately, there's a, a great cost that comes to finding and uncovering the diamonds that are deep down in the earth. And most of the precious things that God put in the earth, he put way down deep. For instance, oil and diamonds. And those things have to be dug out. So sometimes when he spoke in parables... It's the same idea, that he wanted us to dig a little bit. He wanted us to get in prayer and figure out what it was that he was saying. Amen. And so, um, but however, there, there were some parables that he made plain to his disciples. They asked for the meaning, and he explained it. He wanted them to know clearly his desire and his plan. And yet other lessons, and I love this, I love how Jesus taught. He simply lived out in front of them and then taught the lesson. It was, if you will, a life lesson. He would do something, and then they would question it, and he would say, whatever. He would teach by parable, or he would make it plain. And so, such it is with the, the, the teaching that we're going to have here tonight in John. And before we actually get to that scripture, let me give you a little bit of background of that chapter 4. As we, as we know, this chapter is... Often we talk about this chapter as the um, the chapter that speaks about the woman uh, at the or the Samaritan woman at the well, and what an incredible story! We can learn so many things from from this uh, one time in, in in 
the history of, in the Bible. His heart, Jesus' heart for the lost was clearly shown to us in this woman's life. She was out of the way. They didn't, he didn't really need to go that way. He chose to go that way, though he told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And when he went through Samaria, he found himself sitting at a well. And as he was sitting at that well, he's, you know, he sent his disciples off. We kind of know he needed to get his disciples out of the way. They weren't probably in the right mind frame, uh, frame of mind for what was going to happen in that moment. And so he sat there and this woman came and they had this whole conversation. And he spoke things to her in her life that nobody could have known. No natural man could have ever known about this woman. We know that there are people all over our city. There are people all over the world who are in great darkness in their life. They're tormented by decisions, sometimes their own decisions, sometimes decisions that others have made for them. And yet they live with the consequences day in and day out of what those, consequ- of what those choices have done to their life. And Jesus sat here at this, at this well and he began to speak to her and he began to tell her of the things that were affecting her life. He knew there was a thirst in her life that she couldn't quench. And so he spoke directly to that. He used that moment to tell her that there is a well that is so deep that you'll never thirst again. He wasn't speaking of uh, a natural well, of course, because that's what she kept bringing it back to. Well, sir, where is, where is your pot? You know how deep this well is? You know, um, she kept bringing it back to natural things. And he said, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about your spirit and the brokenness that's in your life. When the disciples came back, they, they saw this conversation going on. And it says that they didn't question him. They didn't ask anything. The Bible clearly says that. But she was probably just uncomfortable enough with their presence where she felt peace around Jesus. But his disciples kind of looked at her a little bit weird. And she probably had that experience all her life. So she said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to take this and I've got to go tell somebody about Jesus. So as she left, now we come to the scripture where we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus begins to break down to them, to the disciples, this parable and what just happened in front of them. And they, they brought him food. That's what they had gone to do. They'd gone, to, gone away to, to get food and supplies. And when they brought it back, they tried to tell him, Jesus, eat. They, they beckoned him, please eat, Lord. We, we need to eat. We've got a lot of travel. We've been traveling. You were, you were just so hungry a little bit ago. And what did he say? He said, no, I, I have meat to eat that you didn't even know of. I've, I've already been nourished. I've already been fed. And they didn't understand what that, they didn't understand what he was talking about. So let's go to chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Amen. So, when I say to you the field, when we talk about that term, the field, we, in your mind, you may think about all kinds of different things. You may, you know, in the agricultural, in agricultural terms, you may think of what we have all around us here in the Midwest, cornfields, soybean fields, whatever it's going to be this year fields, and we've got all kinds of the fields around us. 
when it comes to science, you know, there are scientific studies, there are fields of study, right? Um, you may think of sports, there are soccer fields, football fields, of course, that's an easy one. But uh, maybe even a career path. I know we've talked about this with lots of our young married men. When, when gentlemen meet for the first time and you're conversating, this kind of the first thing, one of the things that you come up with, you ask each other, well, what line of work are you in? What's your field? What's your career? So where are you working? What are you doing? So all these things could be thought of when we're talking about the field, but for our sake tonight, um, just for a, a very simple definition, we'll just call it an open area in which to work. Amen? An open area in which to work. And of course, we're talking about spiritual places of work and labor. So the field, as you will see, will represent the world. The whole world is the field. The seed, as you will see, is the word of God. In Matthew 13, it also talks about the good seed. That's a different kind of seed. Now we're not talking about the world. We'll we'll get to it. Um, But that's a different kind of seed. And then we have the harvest. And the harvest is the souls of mankind. Amen. So we're going to break it down just a little bit. I'm going to teach. I'm not going to be long tonight. I'm going to try not to be long tonight. Um, and then um, my wife's going to come up, and and we're just gonna we're just gonna minister. Is it all right if the Lord just moves here tonight? I know we're um, I don't have handouts for you. I apologize. I know we're used to having handouts to fill in, but um, we really we could have done that, but we really felt like the direction for tonight was um, just to launch us into going, to launch us into the heart of God, which is to go to the to the harvest. Amen. So John four thirty four, we go back to that verse, if you will, Sister Lori. Thank you so much. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Everybody say sent. Amen. So I have this question for you. As I was studying this out, um, and you don't have to shout out the answer or anything, but I want you to think about this. Two, two questions in this verse. Who sent him? Okay, that's the first question. Who sent Jesus? Next, what is the work that Jesus came to finish? Because he says here, plainly, he says, for him that sent me and to finish his work. Amen. So we know that Jesus is God incarnate. Amen. We know who Jesus is. He is is God in flesh. He came with a purpose. He was sent from God as a man, Christ Jesus, to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is to seek and to save that which was lost. That is Jesus' commission while he was on earth. To seek and to save that which was lost. So, if God is a spirit, and I'll just give you this, Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily. That simply means that everything that God was, was right there in the man Christ Jesus. Amen. And so we are thankful for that revelation, and we know that. And that goes right along with our, with our verse here, because we have to know who Jesus is and what his commission was. His purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. This is Luke 19, verse 10. So, God's original intent from the beginning 
was that mankind would have a close, intimate relationship with him. We go back to the Garden of Eden, where they walked without complication in that relationship. And his desire was that his creation would choose not to just obey him, but to love him in return. And that man would realize who he, the man, is in relationship to God. To understand that we were created in his image and we have been given authority both in earthly and spiritual realms. We have been given authority. Amen. But the enemy came in, as we know in, in the book of Genesis, and through sin he stripped us of two major things that God created us with. Those two things that I just mentioned. He, he stripped us of our relationship with God. And he stripped us of authority in the Spirit. Amen. And Jesus came to seek. But you notice, now I I don't want to take this out of context. And I know there are um, men who have taught lots of Bible studies and can, can correct this later. But the way that I read this as I was studying, it says that in Luke 19 and 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If I said it this way, and this is the way that I've always heard it, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. That gives it a little bit of a different um, thought process, right? And, and I'm sure that that is exactly what it is saying as well. But if you take it literally, what it says, that which was lost, what was lost? What is the thing that was lost? It was relationship. It was authority that we have, that Jesus has come to restore back to mankind. I'm so thankful that God has done that for us. Through the Holy Ghost, through redemption, He has restored these things to us. I'm, I'm so glad that every time we can get in our prayer room and have, a, have that close, intimate talk with God. And, and our, you know, uh, Brother, um, Brother Freeman, they called him Bug Freeman. If you don't know who that is, you, you need to get some of Nona Freeman's books. Um, incredible missionaries, and he would say, he would go around and say that his friend was talking to him. Jesus was his friend, and he just had such an intimate talk with God all the time that his friend would just would just do things for him, and some people may think, well, that's just a little weird. That's just spooky, <laughs> but he knew it. He knew it to be true, and so I'm glad that every time I can get into my prayer closet and talk to my friend and and have those talks with him and and he touches me, and he, and he heals my heart, and he redeems the thought processes that I have that are not correct. Amen. And he saves me each day. Amen. I'm glad for that. And when we are out walking and we are out doing the will of God, we understand that through that relationship, authority has also been restored. And so we can walk through this world, and we can walk with confidence that we have authority when we obey and bow ourselves to Jesus Christ, he's the Lord of all. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord, if you will. Amen. So he came. So Jesus came to restore us back to our relationship and to restore our understanding of what can be done in his kingdom when we realize who we are in him. And when we realize who we are in him, we realize that We were not created, nor were we redeemed to simply watch others work in the field. Amen. I'm thankful for everybody that comes to church. I'm thankful that we all come on a regular basis. 
I'm sure that Pastor and Sister Tammy would say, thank you for your faithfulness. But you know what they really would love you to do and what Jesus wants you to do is when you're outside of this church, reach somebody with what you know. It's not for everybody else. That's what we tend to do. We want to say, well, I don't know how to have those conversations. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get a Bible study. I don't know where to start. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not, just for, it's not just for the missionaries. It's not just for the pastor to teach Bible studies and to reach. There are hungry people sitting right next to you at work, at the restaurants. They're out there. They want to know what you know. They are longing and thirsty for something to fix the mess of their life. Amen. Amen. Let's look at the harvest. I hasten here. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. The harvest. Did I give you that scripture, sis? I'm sorry. Matthew 9, verse 35. Um, Amen. Let me see. I'll get it open here myself. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Wouldn't you love to see that right here in Terre Haute? Wouldn't you love to see everything healed and the gospel preached to every soul? It'd be fantastic if every soul heard it, and they will, they need to, they must. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see the picture here? All the crowds of people hurting and lost with no direction. Then he said unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous. Look at it. It's everywhere. There's so much harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth the laborers into the harvest. So the harvest are the souls of mankind. Amen. And we are praying, yes, we pray for the harvest, but Jesus said, don't so much pray for the harvest, pray for people to get out there to the harvest. Pray that someone would get a burden for lost souls. Pray that somebody would get out of their comfort zone when they're at the cheddars and talk to the person across the, the way. Amen. I know how it is. I know how we are in America. We, you know, we want to stay in our own spot and you think, well, you know, I don't want to um, reach across the aisle to that person because I don't want to get in their space. And, and I understand we, that's how we are here. But at the same time, you can find ways to reach them. It's a compliment. It's just a smile. It's a, I don't know, buy their lunch, something. There's, there are ways. If you are looking, there are ways. And Janine and I have, Sister Janine and I have done this so many times. Just when you feel the stirring in your spirit when you're there and you see the, you see the person and you don't even need to know the situation, but when God stirs you, find a way to touch them. Find a way to reach Him. Amen. Now, let's go back to our original scriptures here. Um, John 4, verse 35. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? This is a question. And when I researched this, um, He's saying to them, don't you have a saying? This is what He's saying. Don't you have a saying that you know, the harvest isn't yet for four months. You know, this was, this, he was addressing something here a little bit deeper than what we usually read. He, what he's addressing here is that they were saying, well, you know what, that's, that's down the road. I don't even need to think about the harvest. I don't even need to think about that right now. 
that, you know, in the natural, they were saying, they had this saying that came over to their, as a, a mentality, a thought process, that in the harvest, well, we've sown the seed, and yet, you know, it's not harvest time yet. Jesus was saying, don't worry about the timing. The harvest is now. The harvest is right in front of you. So you can't use the excuse. This is what he was saying to them. Don't use the excuse that we have four months. We've got time to get to the harvest. No, we don't have time to get to the harvest. We have to get to the harvest now. He said, look, look up now. Raise up your eyes. You know what that means? That means they were distracted by other things right in front of them. He said, lift up your eyes to the harvest. I learned something uh, from um, my best friend growing up. His dad was also a pilot. And he, he taught me something about when you're, um, they, I guess they teach this to pilots when you're up in the planes. When, and your eyes will do certain things just automatically. You'll, you'll scan. You know, we just, we just kind of scan. Most, you know, men are kind of like right here in front of us, you know. Um, so what they teach them is to, is to kind of section it. Okay, scan that section. Okay, now we're scanning this section. We're looking for planes in the air with us. Okay, so um, our eyes, will, we, are, we have this natural tendency, not just in the, in the natural, but also in the spirit, to look at what's right in front of us. And the enemy is so good at distracting us. Oh, he's, he's so good at distracting us. And so we get caught up by what's right in front of us instead of looking on what God's heartbeat is, is the harvest out there in front of us, or the, the harvest out beyond us. Amen. So they are white already to harvest. The season of the harvest is now. Someone say now. Amen. We could do programs. We've done lots of programs here. We could do a program and say, okay, well, um, there's certain seasons, like, uh, for instance, we're back to school now, and so now is a good time to do certain programs, and there are different things, and, and I understand sometimes there's some wisdom in that, but there's also, the, there's always the now. There are always lost people in front of you. Always. Amen. The field is the whole world. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we know that name is Jesus. Thank God. Matthew twenty-eight twenty says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So go, go, teach all nations. This is the heartbeat of God. It's the whole world. Our organization, the United Pentecostal Church International, I may not even say it right because I don't, you know, I should just know this, but um, what's the, the slogan? Somebody, it's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. I feel like I'm missing something there. I don't know. Did I, did I get it right, Brother McLeod? Okay. There's something like that. The whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church, right? Amen. So that's always, that's every day, that is the whole gospel to the whole world. Amen. So, go ye therefore. And the seed is the word. Matthew thirteen twenty three. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. So the seed here is the word, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold and some sixty and 
some 30. And this is the parable that Jesus taught us about, um, about different kinds of ground is what we're really talking about here. And he's teaching how the word of God is, that was sown into different kinds of grounds will, will do different kinds of things depending on how the reaction is by those people. Um, so the word of God, when watered with faith, will grow in us and we will grow in Christ. It's just that simple. It's just a principle that will happen when the word of God is, is sown. And so it doesn't matter as, um, I say this as missionaries or as, a, as um, just Christians in the world today, whatever your field is, that's your work, whatever the field is that's right in front of you, when you are sowing seed, when you are speaking the word, when you are telling your faith stories, you're telling what God did on Sunday. Like some people may act like they don't want to hear it, but they, they want to hear it. <laughs> Um, I would say just be radical and tell, you, tell your crazy faith stories. That's what I would say, and we do. <laughs> um, because you know what that does? You don't know what their response will be, but when you're telling those stories and you're telling how God healed you or you're telling about, oh, man, we had, um, we had such a great church service. I just feel so much peace when I'm there. Something simple. You know, they don't have peace in their home. So that, that said something to them, and that little bitty seed of faith got put into their spirit. And it's going to, you know, faith stories will, will cause things to grow in them at different times. So don't be afraid to plant the seed. You don't have to go out. Let me just say it this way. Since the, 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 we're talking about the field, you don't have to go out with a huge combine. Amen? You go out with a shovel. Just, just go out and do something and plant the seed. The small seed will grow into great things in people's lives. Amen? Now, the good seed in Matthew 13 um, is a little bit different. God chooses... Let me, let me get there first. Matthew 13. <clears throat> and I'm looking at verse 24, I believe. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept... His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Tares are weeds. Better word would be weeds. Um, so the servants of the, of, the householder, of, the, of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? From where, where then is this, uh, are the tares coming from? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus, again, is talking about a parable here where a man had a field and he sowed good seed. It was, it was the right seed. It was the right seed. But an enemy came in. How many know we have spiritual enemies? Oh, we do. We have spiritual enemies. The enemy would love to destroy anything that God is doing. And he will sow all kinds of seeds of doubt and fear and, and all kinds of different things, confusion and different things, and he will, he will try his best to do that. But 
But he said, let it all grow up together. We'll work all that out in the end. And of course, that's a parable of the end time. So we are working towards that. But my point here is that the good seed was, was not the word of God in this parable. The good seed was, um, was where he had, um, excuse me, let me, sowed good seed in his field. But these are talking about people. When you read the when you read it through, it's talking about the uh, the harvest is the people, and so what he did was he went and he planted certain people, certain seed, all over the field, all over the world, and those were good seed, right? So I would say this: that God chooses the field that we work in. He's going to plant you where He wants you to, and He's if He's planted you right here in Terre Haute. At your job, at your home, at wherever, wherever you have life going on, that's where God planted you. That's where he expects you to prosper. That's where he expects you to, to speak into the lives of those people. Amen. So Acts, in the book of Acts, we know Paul went many places. And he gave us a great model for the biblical structure of growth, of, of reaching new territories. Paul went many places. Some places he wanted to go, but the Holy Ghost forbade him. He said, the, the Holy Ghost said no. He went where the Spirit led him. And when he arrived, he sought out people to preach, to teach the Word of God to. As he did, people were baptized in the Spirit and in water, and churches were established. He exampled what Jesus taught, and that what we should do is go into the field and speak the Word of faith. He sought out people to teach to. We must go into the field. We've got to go. The seed was already in the earth in Genesis, and I'll read it for you, Genesis 2 and 5. When the earth was began, it says, um, and actually, Sister Lori, I gave you the King James Version, but I'm going to read from the NIV here. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. There were two parts. The seed was there. It was ready. It was was already out there. The Word, if you want to use that example, was already in the Word. But God chose to do something here to teach us a principle right from the start that He still uses today. And when I say that we have authority, we do have authority and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you right here where we get it from. So prior to man, God sent up a mist to water the ground. But God chose this moment. He linked himself arm in arm with mankind to complete the work of the field. He controls the rain. We have no control over that. But we provide the labor. Amen. We are the tillers. I don't know if that's the proper English word. But we are the ones that till the ground. Amen. If that doesn't happen, if mankind doesn't go, if a man or a woman doesn't go, the ground will not be tilled and the seed cannot come forth. God set the principle, not us. So somebody's got to go. Amen. Somebody has to go and preach the word. Somebody's got to talk to them. Amen. God established the principle from the beginning. So look around, dear saints. God is calling this church to great and powerful things. Not just in this community, but this church is reaching the world. It is. It's been prophesied over us. It's been prophesied over this church. Great men and women are coming here. 
and people are going, that is apostolic. That's the book of Acts, church. And God is doing it right here in the midst of us. As my wife comes now, I'll end my part with this. Matthew 13, 44. Actually, let me, let me tell you real quick. Naboth had a vineyard in the Old Testament, if you know the story. I don't have time to, to tell it, but Naboth had a vineyard. This vineyard had been in Naboth's um, lineage for generations. King Ahab was, was an evil king, and he approached Naboth, and he wanted that vineyard. He didn't want the vineyard for the fruit that it had in it. He didn't want the vineyard for the wine or, or the, 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 the fruit of the vine that would come from that, which was used in the kingdom. And it represents the flowing of the Spirit of God. He didn't want it for that. He wanted to tear out all of that and have an herb garden, a garden of fruit and vegetables, if you will. That fruit and vegetables was to be delicacies on his table, to please O King Ahab, because he was all about self. He, all, he only wanted to please himself. And so he didn't care what that vineyard represented. He didn't care in the least how valuable that vineyard was. Amen. But he, he wanted it, and ultimately he got it by murder. And so I will say that there is a cost to, to reaching. There is a cost that is, it has got to be a sacrifice. There's got to be a death to reach the lost of our community. There's got to be a sacrifice. It's not free. Nothing good is really ever free. And so the cost comes and it's worth it. In Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Someone say treasure. The which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and he buyeth that field. The treasure in the field is worth selling everything. Because the value of the treasure is much more valuable than anything we have or could ever gather to ourselves. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's just worship the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah, Jesus. We just thank you, Jesus, for this word, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're about to do, God. Put it in our heart tonight, your desire to reach this world. In the name of Jesus, we bind every power, every principality, every ruler of darkness, every wickedness in high places in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray tonight, you loose your glory. You loose your freedom. You loose your will. You loose laborers tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give honor to Pastor and Sister Tammy and all the leadership here. Thank you for allowing us to come and share our burden. And we love our church. We love our church family. Um, God wants to do something special here tonight. I know it's Wednesday night. But can God have his way? Can God have his way tonight? So I know my husband, he shared the word of God, and God gave me a word to share tonight, and I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to share a little bit about what we've done first, and then I'm going to share what God put on my heart. And we just want God to have his way because the King of Kings is here, and the Lord of Lords. And we didn't just come out just for to 
to do our duty today. We came out to worship the king and we came out to hear what the Lord has said. And we came to be together as the body so that we can reach the lost. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to share a little bit about what God has done in our lives as we reach and go into the field. The field is the best place you could ever go. Until we make it to heaven, when we go out among God's people, the people that are waiting to hear the word of God, we are in the best place because that is where miracles happen. Miracles happen when we get outside of these four walls and we go into the field of labor. When we obey the word of God and get past ourselves and all that we think and our insecurities and uh, all our hangups, and we reach for those people outside of these four walls that don't know and don't have what we have, we are blessed. Amen. You see, when we have the heart of God, we will push past everything that holds us back. We'll push past ourselves, our desires, our needs, and we'll say, there's one, and there's another, and they are lost, and they are waiting on us. They are waiting for us to tell them Jesus loves you. They are waiting to know that they can have peace and joy and power in their lives. There is a place in the intimacy with God that we find in our prayer room that when we go out, we go out in that authority that my husband talked about and we go out in power and we go out in the love of God. These people are desperate and God is looking for the desperate. He wants us to be desperate. He wants us to be so desperate for him that we want everything he has for us. That we walk in the power and the authority and the demonstration that the apostolic church has been given. People are out there, I will say, we pass people every day. And they are lost and they're hurting. And think about the trials we go through in the church. Think about how we feel when we're hurting and we're lost and we're feeling overwhelmed. But we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Word of God. We have the body. They don't have that. There are people on drugs and alcohol and living promiscuous lives and different things that could be the next Apostle Paul. They could be the next missionary, the next prophet of God that's going to speak to this world and millions will be saved. We have to look past what we see and ask God to give us his eyes and hear what thus saith the Lord. To speak to that person who may be on the verge of suicide, but God has purposed them to go forth. God has purposed them to bring in hundreds or thousands or millions into the kingdom. I can tell you story after story of men and women of God who were lost. They were on drugs. They were uh, 
living promiscuous lives, whatever you want to say. And as soon as God got a hold of them, they are turning this world upside down. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live an ordinary life. We are in the last days, and this is the time, and this is the season, and we are in the last hour. And we have to go forth into the field. We were sitting at a a table. We were out at a camp raising funds, and we saw a woman and I, I noticed her and my husband saw the look in my eye and he said, "Hun, I got a lot of work to do back at the hotel. Why don't you go on over and talk to her? I said, no, I, we both need to go. He said, okay, but we got to hurry. <laughs> I said, okay. And uh, so the end of our food after we'd been eating and we had waited on our check, we went over and the Lord prompted us to talk to this woman and we prayed with her and Angels came up. I'm telling you, the victory of God came into that room. Faith came into that room. And she was saying, amen, thank you, Jesus. And when we were saying, Lord, fill her with the Holy Ghost, baptize her in your name, she was receiving it. And we said, when you walk out of here, you are never going to be the same. Long story short, and I, I, I will hurry because I want to share what the Lord has spoken But I want to tell you that a couple days later, my husband was at the men's meeting at the camp. And a man of God came up to him and he said, were you in this restaurant the other day with your wife? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, I'll tell you, God spoke to me to go talk to that woman that you guys talked to. And we didn't even see anyone. He said, I was in there with another minister, but I didn't have my wife with me. And the Lord said, but don't worry, that couple right there, his wife, she's going to go over and they're going to talk to her and minister to her. She needed that ministering that moment, that day. And he said, (laughs) he went a little further and he said, you were worried about getting back to work. But God said, because you made room for your wife and the way she ministers, I'm going to bless you abundantly. He knew exactly, God told him exactly what was going on in that moment. We have to be bold. We have to be tuned into the spirit of God. And what is he saying? We also were at a restaurant recently with some ministers after we had preached in a service. And after the service, we're standing there. I actually had my hair up. My hair is an open door for a lot of uh, conversation usually when it's down and there was a young woman off to the side who worked at this restaurant standing outside taking her smoke break and she said um I, I love your hair and I looked at her and I said thank you and I saw her name and I said Hannah And it was as if the Lord spoke through me to that young lady. And she started shaking and she started crying because the Lord was speaking to her very soul. And she said, yes, my name means, my name's in the Bible. Someone spoke over my my mother's uh, belly when I was in her womb and, and said I had a great purpose. And I went over and put my arm around her and I said, you do have a great purpose, Hannah. God has a great plan for your life. And she started crying. 
And I said, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? She said, no, ma'am. I said, have you ever, do you know what that is, speaking in tongues? She said, yes, ma'am. I said, well, God's about to fill you. And I could have walked away. I could have walked away at that moment after we had ministered to her and gotten her number. But God said, press in. And when I pressed in and, I, and the minister with us and my husband and we prayed for her, as soon as I laid my hands on her head, people walking by. She was filled gloriously by the Lord with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God is looking for a people who will go into the field of labor. And they will see great miracles. We saw five miracles. I won't go into them right now. And four of them were outside of the church walls. We went into a home and prayed through it, and a family member was refilled with the Holy Ghost after eight years. God is doing a work, but we have to put aside our distractions, our ideas, all of the things that we feel we need to get done, our list, and stop and look around at what God is doing. Because we are not here to fill up a pew. We are the church And we are here and God has given us his spirit to be a witness. God is looking for us to do more. And I'll tell you, when you live this life of walking in the spirit that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and stepping into the supernatural when God opens the door, let me tell you, it is the best life you can ever live. Hallelujah. It is the most exciting life. You will not be bored. You will not be stressed about your situations because you will say, who's next, Lord? Who shall I talk to? And you will see great miracles. Amen. Last week, we were in our prayer rooms, and I'm going to end with this. We were praying separately, and I heard the Lord speak to me. And then he gave me what I had been praying for about the field. And this is what he spoke. You can put up the scripture. Genesis 27, 27. The Lord actually gave me this scripture a year ago, September. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment. And he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field with which the Lord hath blessed. Now I know what the scripture means, but I'll tell you the Lord spoke prophetically to me in that moment. We all want the blessings of God the nations, the fat of the land, the miracles. We want the birthright and much more. We want those things, but few are willing to go in the field to receive it. We want it to come to us in our nice, comfortable churches, in our nice, comfortable clothes, and with our comfortable family, which looks the part. God is wanting us to go out from among them and be separate. What do I mean? He wants us to separate ourselves unto him in an intimacy and be a peculiar people who are like jewels in his crown. We cannot do this if we keep doing the same thing we have been doing over and over. We have to go out. We have to go outside these four walls and into the field. 
to the field where the work is and where the people are. You see, we're so blessed in here. It's so nice. But there are people who are dying in their sin right now who will go to hell if we don't reach them. There are cities, there are regions, and there are nations that are longing for what we have that we're so blessed with. First he came near to his father, and then he kissed him. It's a sign of intimacy. Then he smelled him. If you have been with the father, you have the smell of him and the field. If you only have one of them, the field or just the father, you cannot receive this blessing. You need both. Raiment is a type of covering, a mantle. And Jacob, he wasn't a worker. He was a son. He was knowledgeable of sonship with the father because he knew his father loved him. You see, we don't always know that sonship that God is wanting to give to us. We feel more like a servant. But God, when he has called you into the fold, has called you into sonship. He has called you unto himself. He knew if he got caught, he wouldn't die. I submit to you, he was desperate for what his brother didn't really want. He wanted that blessing. There are some people who will hear this word tonight. They don't really want it. But there are those of you who are hearing the sound of my voice and the word which the Lord has spoken, that you are desperate for what your brother does not want. He knew intimacy would get he, he knew intimacy would get it and the smell of the field. This really isn't about Jacob or the account of what we read in Genesis. It's about the word the Lord spoke to me prophetically, like I said, a year ago. He started talking to me about the field. Everywhere I go, I see a field. I see a field of labor, not just the natural, but the spiritual. He showed me everything you need is in the field. Finances, blessing, assurance, sonship, purpose, knowing who you are in God and knowing who he is in you. It is all found in the field and it is found in intimacy with Jesus. There has to be the starting place, but we can't stop there. If you want to make it for in, with what's coming in this world, you will have to get in the field of labor. God said, pray for the laborers because the harvest is ripe. You see, we have to get in the field to make it, to be apostolic, to truly walk in the calling and the purpose and the plan of God. If we don't truly step into the book of Acts and the word of God, we will not make it in these last days. God is looking for us to be sober and to be vigilant. We are to go forth and be harmless as doves, but be wise as serpents. We have to go forth in the knowledge of knowing we're a son. Ruth was willing to get into the field, and she was, going, she was willing to take the leftovers, the gleanings. She humbled herself and found out she was connecting to the vine. 
You see, she became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She found her Boaz and found that she could be redeemed. We have many backsliders, this is the word of the Lord, who are bitter and hurt like Naomi. And when they come back, and they are coming, I feel the Holy Ghost. As we love them and reach for them and pray for them, they will bring with them Ruth's. They will find a place to work and will be the ones with the blessings of God, and they will produce sons. This is the last, the last hour is upon us, and just like the parable about the 11th hour worker, God is looking for the 11th hour worker. He is looking for those who have been overlooked, waiting, preparing, just to be, just to get in the field. He's ready. Are you? Are you ready to get in the field? Elisha was working in the field. He wasn't waiting around for someone to call him. He was working, plowing. He was doing what he could. Then he finally asked, he was, I'm sorry, then he was finally asked. Elijah knew he would work in the field. So when he came upon him, he covered him with his mantle. And Elisha went and kissed his father and mother, and he burnt the wood of his instruments and boiled the flesh of the oxen, and he gave it to the people. He took what he used to make a living and to work in the field and made it so he could not go back to that field of labor. He was ready to move into the calling and the new field of labor that consisted of double And was a region compared to a city. Three types God is looking for tonight. A Ruth willing to work for God in a field where you receive no glory. And may only receive the leftovers. The second is the 11th hour worker. He gets only a penny, no glory, no name. But is excited just to work in God's field. The third is the worker who is already busy in the field, but he will be misunderstood, ridiculed, and doubted. Which one of these sounds rewarding? The first will eventually own the field, but no promise of it as you start, and he will have a great revival of backsliders. The second is overlooked for years and no promise of anything great, but will receive the former and the latter rain. There will be a mighty outpouring. The third will be greatly misunderstood, criticized, and even shunned, for they will bring forth the prophetic that is being missed in many churches today. But they will receive a double portion, miracles, signs, and wonders, the nation's. This isn't pretty, and only the desperate will apply. Only those who truly want to live apostolic in word and in deed will come. But with passion, power, and travail, they will bring in this last day outpouring. You see, the supernatural, you will live and walk in a realm that most don't. You won't be exalted, you will be abased. And trials will come with much criticism. But no one will be able to deny the hand of God is upon you. And that billions, 
that will be saved will be activated to reach more. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God glory for this word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. We worship you, Lord. God, I pray you put it in our heart to fill one of these roles tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's a Wednesday night. And I know this isn't for everyone. And I know this may be a little different. And as as I have my husband come to close this in prayer, I would put out to you, if you are desperate, if you want to work in the field, if you would come and find a place and pray, if you would say yes, I want more of what God has. I am ready to go into the field. I ask that you would come now in the name of Jesus. God is pouring out giftings. Hallelujah. I pray that you receive those giftings, open them up, and apply them to your life in the name of Jesus. God is pouring out anointings right now. Hallelujah. God is looking for those who are desperate for him. You're desperate to be in the field. You're desperate to live an apostolic life. God, we don't want to be ordinary. We don't want to be normal. God, we want to be extraordinary in the kingdom. We want to walk in demonstration of your power. We want to walk with giftings flowing, miracles following us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is in this room. And if you will receive it tonight, God is pouring it out right now, even as we speak. That burden for souls. God is imparting right now. There is an outpouring right now. Hallelujah. God, we receive your word. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's keep pressing just a little bit tonight. God, we love you, Jesus. We want to do your work, Lord. We want to see our neighbors saved, God. We want to see our family men are saved, God. Bring our loved ones home, God. This is their home, Lord. Jesus, put your word in our heart. Put your word in our mouth, God. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you back there. Don't, don't disqualify yourself tonight. God has called you to do it. Hallelujah. He's anointed you to do it. He's given you the authority to speak the word into lives of people. Hallelujah, hallelujah.